0: And uh, you got this energy. Episodes will also feature actual practical tips and answers to questions, including, well, what do I say when? And what do I do when? So that you feel equipped to handle the day-to-day parenting puzzles we face. So pour yourself a cuppa or lace up some shoes or hide in your busy parent bathroom for a bit and join me for head and heart conversations about loving and living with children walking past less often traveled. Have I mentioned I'm glad you're here? I trust that you'll be glad. Welcome, everyone. I am so glad you're here. Um, This week, I have the honor and privilege of speaking with Jessica Sinarski, who uh, joins me with a wealth of experience about um, the brain, bodies, emotions, coping, love, trust, behaviors, (laughs) behaviors, <laughs> all of these pieces um, that parents today will be glad they're they're listening in about, and clinicians too, as always. They have an eye on on what we'd love therapists to know since the families we work with are, are um, often seeking really, really good help. So welcome, Jessica. I'm really glad you're here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, tell us, I start broadly, tell us a little bit about uh why why the brain and body and behaviors now what what brings you to being in this chair today to chat
1: lovely so i my background I'm a mental health counselor and um, I have always worked in the world of foster care and adoption, and very very quickly learned that I didn't know what I needed to know to be helpful. Um, that was that was pretty clear right from the outset, <laughs> and so that has been my mission is to figure out what you know what are my blind spots what are the gaps what what are we not learning in graduate school what are parents not being taught, uh, and so that has led me on this path to create the organization Brave Brains, and to write books that help bring brain science and attachment and trauma into. Um, into the world in kid-friendly ways and ways that really adult brains can make sense of as well. So that's that's how I ended up here. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, and I love, we'll talk
0: about the Riley books because I think, you know, parents, I and mean, this is just going to be a snack, right? We're going to get a soundbite into this. But so often in the work over the years, there's the theory of this. And then mm. there is the, what do I do on Tuesday? What do I say Mm -hmm. when? So the two Mm -hmm. levels today that we're talking about are like, how can we help parents wrap their mind around why the brain science matters? And then also, you know, a couple of of tips and tips, like how do we talk to our kids about that, so like we can yes. have the first step is we wrap our adult brains around it, yes. and then so much of what I hope to offer for parents when they leave time with me is is how can you then then live in this as a family. So, what what would the when I first started learning about the brain science, I confess I thought it was a little reductionist. I was like blah blah blah, but I'm an ecosystems person. I'm a family systems person. I don't want anybody to feel stuck in the wiring pieces. And and, yeah. and then and that was many, many years ago, right? And then I started okay. living and doing this work. So tell me if you wanted parents to have some really key concepts around brain science that will help them with regulation, right? Like keeping Absolutely. kids' emotions and behaviors regulated. What might they, what might they need to know that, that seems to stand out for you?
1: Yeah. Um, So I will, I'll start with a a few things that I talk about that I typically start uh, workshops with, or, you know, when I'm working with larger groups, a couple helpful definitions. One is that all or memes or, you know, truths, all behavior comes from the brain. So as much as we, our brains are connected to our bodies, right? And so we know that there's this back and forth system, and we could talk sensory for days, but I will, <laughs> I will rein myself in. Um, but truly, behavior comes from the brain, and so when we are, when we are dealing with brains that have been impacted by trauma, what we see is behavior. We don't see all of the impacts that have happened in the brain. So we know, we also know now that trauma impacts the brain. It changes, it, it impacts the way that the brain is built. And part of why I wrote the Riley the Brave series is that I think there's a lot of miscommunication and, and misperceptions that happen around that where there can be a lot of like shame and blame or, or kids feel broken um, or parents feel like they're, you know, they're messing up everything, right? There's just <laughs> failure and brokenness feelings everywhere. When really, how the brain adapts to deal with trauma is by becoming really sensitized, really ready to protect and defend, as opposed to connecting, um, and and it puts its resources towards solo survival. Well, that's all well and good if you're living in a situation that requires some solo survival skills at zero or three or or seven, mm-hmm. and then suddenly you're in a family where that's not what's required of you. In fact, very different things are expected of you and that we just end up with all of this miscommunication and misunderstanding about what the behaviors are. And so trauma changes the brain, the brain controls behavior, but parents, caregivers, you know, foster parents, everybody, we don't respond to children's brains because we don't have like little magic, you know, (laughs) seeing glasses that let us see inside. We respond to their behavior. And trauma begins to change our brains as parents. We are we are relational creatures. We can't, our brains in particular are very, very, very impacted by each other. And so the more that we understand how, uh, how what we're bringing into the room and what our kids are bringing into the room, not because they're a bad kid and not because you're a bad parent, but because of how your brains are wired and how um, how you're responding to, you know, the situation that seems innocent, like put on your socks. You know, you say put on your socks and a kid flips into fight or flight or freeze and you're like, whoa, how did we get there from put on your socks? Um, and, and it can be really easy to see that as defiance or, you know, aggression or, or something that's wrong with this kid when really it's a misplaced. Protective moment. It's a misplaced brave moment um, because that brain is wired to defend.
0: And I think that's really like this idea that what 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 we've been wired. And thank goodness for our nervous systems. Thank goodness for the protective mechanisms that we're all built with. With like one of the big messages that I talk to parents about, and parents and kids about, is like, hey, we need our nervous systems. We need them to stop us from stepping out into traffic. We need them to kick into gear when there's actual danger. We want to celebrate our nervous systems. You, buddy, just happen to have kind of an overachieving one.
1: Yes. <laughs> like, yes, like there's right. just, just
0: like a, a rock star nervous system, right. which will serve you well in some ways. But but what I think can happen for, for parents, right, is, is this understanding that when our kids are protecting themselves and we're going for compliance and connection that that there is going to be this this clash often and this miscommunication and and a tightening right when a kid is mm-hmm. is refusing refusing to go with the flow to stay mm-hmm. in the schedule then mm-hmm. there is i call it this clench that happens for mm-hmm. for parents and i really love that if i'm going to pull out something already that you've said is trauma changes our brain as parents say say a little bit more about what you'd hope parents would understand when you say yeah. you know in a home that is navigating healing from losing attachments right in all yep. newness even if you don't know that your child had massive interpersonal violations if they yep. had a major change in caregivers if they have a system that is wired through a lot of anxiety in utero yep. or otherwise yep so that's if right if you're parenting a kiddo who had really stressful earliest beginnings and or lost major attachments and or had harm. What do you want parents to understand about the statement trauma changes our brains as parents?
1: So I think it's hard without the visual. So I'm gonna do this in an auditory (laughs) way. We have these, we have two main brain systems. So pulling from Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson with this, this idea of an upstairs and a downstairs brain. That our upstairs brain is our, you know, ability to be calm and curious and connected. It's it's our social engagement system. It's all this yummy wee brain kind of stuff, um, and it's what develops over time. We're not we're not born in that connected state. You know, newborns don't know how to share. <laughs> they know how to cry to get their needs met. Like <laughs> that's where we are in life. Um, and then there's the downstairs brain, which is which is our you know, big primal feelings. Um, you might've heard it called the reptilian brain or the limbic system, right? That that downstairs brain, I talk about it in the Riley series with um, animals like porcupine moments or tiger moments or turtle moments where we, it's that fight, flight, freeze. So what happens, what, what humans need to develop connections in their brain that let them, let their alarm system, their amygdala simmer down, um, is, is connections between that amygdala or that down, and that downstairs brain and the upstairs brain so that when signals come in, either you know I feel hungry or that light is bright or um, I hear a noise in the other room that I don't immediately flip to fight or flight or freeze. Um, so over time, those connections grow and grow and grow. And those connections grow through co-regulation, through a safe big critter, through you know mom or dad or grandma or um, whoever it is that is their 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 caregiver, keeping their calm in these um, you know flipped lid moments because everything to a baby is life threatening at birth. Every you know gas bubbles are life threatening. You know everything <laughs> needs needs that big person. The challenge that comes into play when trauma enters the picture, or as you said, neurodivergence in in lots of ways, um, I'm parenting kids by birth, but I have two boys who have some pretty um, a lot of sensory processing issues, and um, their brains detect threat yeah. a lot quicker. You know, from a lot of different stimuli that that maybe don't seem threatening to me. Right. So what happens when when that's the case is that kids are bringing these porcupine, tiger, turtle moments into every, you know, into lots and lots of situations. And our human natural response to that is to protect and defend as well. And so when you, mom, are faced with a porcupine moment, your natural response is to go turtle or tiger or, you know, (laughs) something to shut it down. When you said clench, um, one of the big, one of the big signs for me and a lot of parents that I work with that I'm flipping into my downstairs brain is um, power and control. When I want power and control, when I clench, when I want to shut it down, (laughs) and I don't care what lessons are learned, (laughs) and I just need the behavior to stop, you know? And so if that's happening moment after moment, day after day, I mean, you've lived it, right? And and so it begins to change your brain where you start, where that, that protective downstairs brain starts to be the primary operating system Instead of your calm, compassionate, curious, playful, accepting upstairs brain that lets you that lets you help build those connections in your child's brain, because we we don't get there. Um, well, yeah, I'll just I'll yeah. pause there for a minute. It's, that's that's a no, lot to digest. No,
0: no, it is a lot to digest. And I really, you know, the question comes to me a lot, too, about like, which. Which becomes more challenging if you're a parent yourself who has traumatic loss histories, or who yes. has already been wired to be, you know, to mm. to, to need control, to feel safe, yeah. to need control and flow. So either way, either you're a person who who came into parenting, you know, go with the flowish without your own. Um, flip, a uh, switch that flips quickly. Right. Yes. So then that can feel right. like its own kind of unfamiliar new territory as if yeah. you're failing. Right. So it gets, so, so there's that one path for parenting that if your life hasn't had landmines and adjustments and loss, it can feel like a really destabilizing presence in your home. If this isn't your experience of family, right. if you are coming into this as a parent whose experience of family had its own sets of trauma, and, right. and, and there's work to be done there. Um, offer parents a little bit of hope about, like, so knowing this, okay, right? So so, yeah. I talk a lot about why the education about this is so important. There, there yeah. isn't a magic wand, but understanding yeah. that this is a real scientific human nature natural energy exchange that happens helps depersonalize, helps you not think your yes. kid is doing this to you, helps you recognize how things evolve quickly and then and then changes how you look for help, right? Like yes. the kinds of help you need may change if you're understanding right. that this is an upstairs downstairs brain piece or that upstairs downstairs brain knowledge for both of you can help with yep. regulation. Yep. How do you see, like how do you encourage parents to to take this knowledge that they may go into their own um, downstairs brain, mm-hmm. that, that you have this system now that has energy bouncing off it, it, each other how can parents use I love the porcupine right as prickly and, mm-hmm. and and sort of difficult and and the tiger obviously is sort of roaring out to protect and mm-hmm. the turtle checking out and disappearing? How does how do parents knowledge about that um, help with the day to day hard stuff that comes up in the in those moments?
1: Yeah, that's the real crux of it is how how do we take head knowledge or why does head knowledge matter and then how do we take that head knowledge and and do something with it and so I think I think there's a variety of reasons that that knowing about this matters one is I see the shame lift so one of the most beautiful things that I see in my work is for kids and parents when they really get to know uh, and we're like you said, we're just getting a nibble today. Yep. When yes. they really get to know their <laughs> brains, when they really get to understand attachment and trauma and, and how we're wired, that the shame lifts. For the kid, it's not that they're a bad kid who does bad things. And for the parent, it's not that they're a failure as a parent or that they're parenting a kid who's broken. It's that we we are on this journey together. We've been wired to defend or protect Um, And now we're learning a new way to a new way to be and it's awkward and bumpy. And when we can say that out loud, gosh, that's freeing. Like suddenly it becomes, hey, we're in this awkward, bumpy journey together, whether it's because of your own trauma history or because of what's happening in your family right now or because of something that happened in your in your child's early life, whatever the reason especially in this time of going through this global pandemic and I think in the United States, white America waking up a little bit more, hopefully, mm-hmm. to some of the the racial trauma that has just been pervasive through this country's entire history. All of those things are agitating the nervous system. All yeah. of those things are sending people into their downstairs brain. I think the hopeful side for me is that when we can see that that's the case, and, and slow down and choose to bring our upstairs brain to the table like that's the game changer that's where if we take it back down to the microcosm of the family my best way to to change the future for my kid is to deal with my stuff and make sure I'm bringing my well-connected brain into this into the situation. I'm back in therapy because that's what we do sometimes when we've had difficult life experiences, right? right. Um, and so you you mentioned, like, does it maybe change what we're looking for? I think it does. I, I was talking with somebody. I had done some training in an area that I think has some value in certain situations but doesn't in others. And one of the things that, that the trainer had said to me is, you know, if you're looking like this is a behavioral approach. And so we look for behavior. And what I was saying was, okay, but what about what's going on in the senses? And what about this? And what about this? And he's kind of like, well, that's not really what we're looking at here. And so what I have found time and time again is, especially in the world of adoption and foster care and kinship care, we have to look at the real thing. And the real root of it is, is that attachment system and how intricately it's wired to, to everything else that plays out. You know, it's that basic trust. It's going back to, to that, you know, can I trust that, that I'm okay, that the, that my needs will be met, that there's somebody that there's some good out there, or do I need to do it all on my own? Um, and that, that very primal feeling not in words, right. Especially for most of our kiddos, for a lot of us who have experienced some level of trauma in our, in our early life, you know, there's a reason that that's so lasting because it it has, um, you know, it changes some of those basic building blocks to get you ready to survive on your own because that's what you need, right. and so it really is a conscious shift to choose, um, to choose where we can be safe with others, to choose where we where and when we can slow down and not just be you know, going and doing and, and fixing and, you know, striving um, and so in the family setting, I really encourage parents to bring this brain-based language into the home. You know, I talk with my kids, We just this week, we've had multiple conversations that involve different parts of, <laughs> of the brain and getting in, your, you know, being in your downstairs brain and that amygdala sending false alarms. You know, we use the false alarm language a lot where we say, oh my goodness, your brain is saying, you know, mom said no, and that means the world is ending. Right. Um, and and when we can bring a little playfulness and not mocking, never mocking, yeah. but playfulness and energy, um, instead of just the knock it off, shut, you know, yeah. instead of that shut it down, scold energy that I'm guessing if you're listening, hasn't worked very well for you or you'd be off doing it and and you'd be fine. It doesn't work very well for me either. (laughs) Right, and I need to keep relearning
0: that, right? I mean, that's the other thing too. Like even knowing, and this is what I say all the time, right? Like I've been doing child psychology stuff for 25 years-ish now Mm -hmm. and, and, and we're human and we go to that sometimes. And when we have an outside audience, we go to it more often. If we have an outside audience of folks that... That don't necessarily understand that when we are trying to help our kid go mm. from their downstairs brain to their upstairs brain, it may look like we're giving in to bad yep. behavior. And then and the theorizing starts to be, um, uh, well, your child is behaving that way because, because of how you parented them to this point. If you had yeah. done more scolding, shaming, yep. correcting, controlling, and That's bossing, right. then you wouldn't be in this situation yep. if and you're handling it wrong now. So it's like these two that's layers right. of judgment that people outside, loving, well-intended people who just want everybody's <laughs> lives to be easier. They care about us and our kids, yes. uh, let alone the soccer sidelines, right? So yes. it, it takes, I think that's one of the other reasons. For me, it seems that education is important because you you, yes. you have to kind of believe. And the good news is, in my experience, when you start introducing the language in your home, when you wrap your mind around the fact that, there, that there is hope in the plasticity that, that yes. and then this is a piece I definitely want to address next like how to talk to kids and ourselves about it that when when you begin to try these things and you approach it from the standpoint of deescalation and regulation and building a staircase between upstairs and downstairs mm-hmm. and that the solution mm-hmm. may not be today, then then you see the you see the different. you can watch a child, um, change their responses. You can see the the intensity of the situation or the frequency change. Yeah. I think one of the questions, so, so, so you got to believe it to try it and try it to believe it and yes. and recognize that, that, that it is a process. And also I think one of the things that comes up for me when I do these trainings for other folks is this idea that nobody wants to think that they're communicating to a child. Because, right, there are tons and tons and tons of healthy, healthy happy, thriving, connected, loving adoptees, loving mm-hmm. people who've experienced trauma. So mm-hmm. so how do we talk to to kids about the brain science and about what their brain is doing without... Suggesting their brain damaged, or this yeah. is a deficit they have yeah. because of their story. Like, how yeah. do we how do we do that? How do you talk to parents
1: about that? So, one thing that I find myself saying a lot is that superheroes are born from adversity. Every every you know, if you go to the backstory of every superhero, I feel like I'm, I'm not super well versed, but <laughs> the backstory usually is some tragic something. And then they have some, there's all, but there's always some help along the way, whether it's, you know, the aunt and uncle that take them in, or it's the, like, there's always some connection. There's always a safe big critter. Um, And so often the villain story is very similar, but without having had some safety along the way. And so one of the things I encourage folks about is that adversity, like, you know there's all this stuff about the aces study the adverse childhood experiences study and my ACE score is high my, my ACE score is like seven i think um out of ten and we know that scores of four or more are associated with early death and all of these health issues we can also pay attention to the positive childhood experiences we can pay attention to those things that that reshape brains for connection and closeness and curiosity and calm. I also think my hope is that with the growing awareness of neurodiversity and less pathologizing, my hope is that we can also shift away from this deficit mentality. Um, But honestly, Laura, what what you're talking about is what I was facing all the time. I'm still in private practice, but I see clients a lot less because I do a lot more teaching and training and, and building resources. Because what I kept finding was, um, okay, adoptive parents are trying to wrap their brains around all of this and put it in action. And we're trying to help kids do the same thing and make sense of it. And they're often in the position where they have to educate the teachers about this. Uh. And so they're going to schools and the teachers are saying, do it this way. And they're saying, no, really, we need to do it this way to shape his brain to trust and- Point
0: plans for- I love my favorite is a smiley face or a frown in the end at the end of oh a my six gosh. hour day of kindergarten or something. It makes right? me want to vomit. <laughs> I get it,
1: like I get I know, it. I know. I feel and, for teachers. And everyone's doing the best they, yep. they everyone's doing what they've been taught. Yes, yes. I was doing what I was taught yes, right out of grad school, but nobody taught me what to do when a kid says, "I want to bite you." Right. And the the real, you know, I was working with this kiddo and we were doing neurofeedback, and so my hands were by his head. Well, he'd had a pretty significant. Um, you know, abuse history, including head injury. And so it's scary and has some sensory issues. And, and so it's scary to have me near his head. And so when he, when we were doing neurofeedback and he said, I want to bite you, I could say, "Ah, I know, buddy, you really want to bite right now. Here, let's get some gum for a minute and then we'll come back to it nobody taught me to say yeah of course you want to bite me thank you for telling me that you want to bite me right like that no (laughs) one taught me that (laughs) that's not that's not what we get taught in grad school um that's certainly not what parenting 101 would say is like congratulate your kid for telling you that they want to bite you yeah but we know from a brain perspective that that means all kinds of things are connecting for him to have words to have impulse control to not just bite me to like all of these things were happening um, that are really positive so so one one of my as far as like what do we do or how do we hold the story differently so stories like picture books movies songs they hit our brain differently than words. So I can tell you all of these things, but then you can pick up Riley the Brave and read this picture book for five minutes and have a different felt experience of, you know, this is a this is a, a bear cub who had some tough stuff in life. Was brave like a tiger. Was brave like a squirrel. Was brave like a porcupine. And now is learning new ways to be brave. Now he gets to be brave like a cub. Now he's learning how to trust. Now he's, you know, learning which he doesn't say trust, um, learning which big critters to let into his heart, um, or learning that there are safe big critters to let into his heart. That that hits the brain differently and lets kids and adults have some self-reflection, it's, it's in the default mode network. Story lets, lets people go into that, like where I go when things are quiet, front to back connection in their brain. And so it's a different feeling than than being told um, this is what's happening, that if you have this felt sense of what's happening, uh, it's part of, so we need the education and we need resources to help the education make sense and and work for our families so that's kind of the the twofold I feel I feel like I've had a lot of the this is the brain science and my brain goes yes 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 and here's what we can do with that but I had struggled I don't know if you found this in your work as well but I had, I, I struggled to find resources that celebrate the courage of survival yeah. while also encouraging the shift to trust it doesn't have to be one or the other We can honor and celebrate the courage of survival, those sensitive amygdalas that get all, you know, supercharged and we can say, hey, amygdala, I got it this time. Thank you. Thank you for that warning alarm, but I'm actually okay. You know, mom was just giving me a hug. It's not, you know, I'm not being attacked or it's not a dangerous situation. Like, it's not always gonna come into words in that way. Yeah. Um, but there are moments when we can bring those words to the situation and say, whew, man, my downstairs brain is about to kick in, so I'm gonna take a minute so I don't have a tiger moment because I don't I don't wanna do that. I know you're doing the best you can. I'm gonna take a breath, I'm gonna take a minute so I can come back in with my upstairs brain and we can solve this problem together. I know we can do it, right? Like that's, yeah. the, that's how that in the moment shift happens when we start to really not every time and not perfectly of course but that's that's the shift that we we start to see and like you said you have to believe it to try it and try it to believe it (laughs) because when you try it you not not every time not the first time but you start to see that shift of part of what we want to have happen for kids especially kids with trauma histories is to have a little sense of this is weird we need some surprise some positive surprise some positive prediction errors to to hit the brain to say wait something's different here my autopilot is going danger 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 you know swear at this person and throw things and um and bite and kick and scream but they're not kicking me out of the house huh yeah. what <laughs> right um, that's what we want we want to wake up that upstairs brain that that it has been quiet for a reason and
0: get, yeah, and give some 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 contrary it right like undo the the linking the pairing of, yes because the body right. and the brain and the heart pair things together yes, yes. link danger to certain outcome and 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 uh, to just gently make the shift away from what feels like harm harm is coming and i think yeah. yeah to your question yes i i think one of the biggest things that i've spent time trying to do oh, it is is take what we know in the theories and give it kid friendly language and when the animals yeah. like coming up with metaphors right that we talk yeah. about different ways to understand that we all have these parts of ourselves, right? We all have a yep. turtle part. We all have a porcupine yep. part. We all That's have right. a squirrel. You know, and it's sort of like what I love. I'm probably, I don't know if you felt the same way too. Like when the movie Inside Out came out, yes. it was like, yay and darn. I should have written that. <laughs> but Because yes. like, yes. we, I love the piece there about how they're all up there. They're all in us. It's all part of healing and thriving. Um, but, it, but it helps give kids a... A picture, so we don't just have the words. We have a picture of an animal. They can relate to what they see. Those animals do in real life if they're living in a place where there are animals, or on movies if they access animals that way. And then they have you know storybooks. And I think for parents to understand, we're while we are saying that the journey can require different skills if you're parenting mm-hmm. a kid who has a really active nervous and sensory system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is, when I say hope in the plasticity, what the brain science clearly tells us is that bridges build, right? And That's and right. things rewire and they wire yes. and build connections in funky curved ways, but they build. Yes, and it, And that happens in time through connection and 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 depersonalizing and regulation and just the belief in the hope i don't know what you it's kind of a nice place to wrap up that like how would you what do you want to say about plasticity in the brain and not thinking about this as damage or deficit but recognizing we're all on a journey that 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 ends up in growth You know what would you like to say to parents as we close today? I could talk for hours. I'm like, oh, but we both have to go. It's It's fun to connect.
1: (laughs) I think that I think just what you said. I think that there that there is that to me the brain science has been the most hopeful side of things because I. I know brains can change. I have seen them change. I've seen both inside and out. So in neurofeedback, like actually looking at brainwave data, and then also experientially in relationships, seeing tremendous growth from you know families that were ready to sort of rip apart at the seams that are able to, to um, build lasting connections. And sometimes those lasting connections look a lot like maybe what you imagined them to be and sometimes those lasting connections look like a lot of porcupine moments with a few side hugs or a yeah. few moments where you where where your kiddo is trusting you confiding in you something or asking you for help with something that that's that's how they speak the language of attachment and it's it's going to have a little different accent than this kiddo with their temperament and their life experiences yeah. and their their attachment experiences so I, I, you know, I never want to promise like everything's going to be right, rosy and right. great if you just apply the brain science. Of right. course not. I love how you said, I, you know, we can promise, quote unquote, a, a, a journey of growth. Um, we, I think we wouldn't be doing this right. um, <laughs> if we hadn't seen the fruit of it, That that really when you, when you put it on and wear it when you dig into understanding attachment and the brain and how we impact each other and sensory systems, your life is going to go better. I, you know, I'll say, um, because I believe I, I am passionate about getting the brain science out in user-friendly ways because the world would be a better place if we all understood our brains a little better. and exercised our upstairs brains a little more, right? If we all spent a little more time in our upstairs brain, right? that is, that's the path to healing. Um, and so, you know, it's long and bumpy and messy and hard and we need each other through it. So I'm, I'm so grateful for opportunities to connect with you and with your listeners to let them know just as you have over the years that you are not alone, you are not a failure, you're showing up, just showing up is building your brain. And so I'm I'm grateful to have spent this time with you in your your pods or on your speaker.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's awesome. Tell us really quickly. Um, again the name of the book series and what your next one's about and I'm already planning I'm going to reach out about a neurofeedback uh, podcast session but anyway (laughs) tell me just give listeners one last one last peek for where to find the concrete tools they can hold in their hands with their kiddos and they can count on to to supplement their learning
1: because that's what we need we need those concrete things to to help bring it home so you can find all of my books at RileyTheBrave.org r-i-l-e-y Brave.org. there's a book a bookshop there with books and posters and and um stuffed animal and all kinds of fun stuff there's also a parents corner that's chock full of free resources so if the if this is sounding interesting to you there's a webinar for parents that's free there's a bunch of like downloadable you know information and things and then i would also point you to bravebrains.com where there's a lot of resources for really geared toward professionals, but certainly a a lot of parents have found a lot of help there as well. Um, There's a teacher, free teacher's guide. There's information for schools and community providers and all kinds of things there as well. And the next Riley the Brave. I'm so excited. I just (laughs) turned in the final manuscript and all of the interior illustrations are done. It is Riley the Brave's Sensational Senses. And it will be coming out in September of twenty
0: twenty two. Oh yay. Cause yes, we both know that both of us have said that the understanding of the sensory system mm. changed changed our work as much as understanding the, the brain and the interface. So I look yes. forward to that. And I really am going to be in your inbox asking to come hang out again. Thank yay. you so much for for coming today and for for building this community of of support for kids. And then families and clinic. are ripple effects. That's so right. Thank you. We need each other. Time. Yes. Thanks,
1: Jessica. All right. Thanks, Laura.
0: Bye. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Just a quick note here at the end to say I am so glad you joined. And I hope you are, too. And if you'd like to connect with me more, come take a look at my website, www.com drlauraanderson.com. There you can join my newsletter, keep in touch and find out what is in the works. You can also join me for coffee and conversation uh, and Facebook at Common Cord Psychology Services. So check me out those places and I look forward to further connection. I'm glad you were here today.